Welcome to Side Effects. Effect versus affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Brabender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Mackenzie McEvely, an MB co-host and some of the industry's brightest guests to dive deep into the process of good employee benefits. Today, we're tackling the subject of prescription drugs and why they're such a hot mess right now. MB CEO Scott McGowan and I are joined by two people who know the healthcare industry inside and out. Vice President Thatcher Sloan and Regional Director Bill Lenskold of Confidio. We will learn what this pharmacy benefits consultant firm does, how they're different from a typical PBM, and how prescription drugs have become such a problem. We can't wait to get to know these two better and learn more about this prescription drug crisis. Without further delay, welcome to the show, Thatcher and Bill. Hello, everyone. I'm Kenzie. Scott, how are you today? I am terrific. How, how are you? Good. Thanks for joining me in the studio today. Absolutely. It's nice to be in the same room together. I know. Yeah. Six feet, of course. Correct. And we have some friends online, Thatcher and Bill. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you very much. We had a few technical difficulties, so we will have Bill's um, actual video and we will have Thatcher via audio. So thank you guys both for being here so much. We're very excited for today's discussion. <clears throat> And, I was and we're wanting, very happy to be here. Good. And I was wanting to kick this off with a question that I just was thinking about. What, where did the name Confidio come from? Do either of you know that fun fact? Absolutely, Kenzie. It's, it's interesting, but very uh, appropriate. It's actually Latin for the word trusted. And mm -hmm. in the pharmacy yeah. business, that seems very appropriate, doesn't it? <laughs> I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. That's good. You know, when we tell us a little bit um, about yourselves and your background, which kind of drove you into this into this uh, industry, and m maybe Bill, I'll have you go first if that's okay. Sure, sure. I've been I've been in this industry, the group insurance industry, for many years, and I've been on all sides of it broker side, carrier side, TPA side, and now focused on the PBM side because of what I saw to be a need in the industry and also a solution that was going to be brought to fill that need by Confidio. And how about you, Thatcher? Are you there, Thatcher? Audio technical. Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> okay, good deal. So, so your background? How did you end up uh, in uh, in this uh, in this industry? Yeah, so I I've been in healthcare for you know roughly 20 years. Started in it right after college, and I started off my career working in the pharmacy industry, but actually working with manufacturers, drug wholesalers, and pharmacies on poultry strategies and data exchanges between manufacturers and, and their trading partners. About halfway through that, I flipped over to the, the PBM side and I've worked with PBM or in the pharmacy uh, reimbursement industry for about 10 years. And that was started by that company being bought by a venture capital firm 
uh, that owned a PBM and, and I liked it. And I've kind of moved on from that company uh, several times. And then I've been with Considio for about four years, working primarily with plan sponsors on how to manage the pharmacy benefit. And, you know, across the, the groups I work with, I work with, you know, commercial employers, but also work with health plans across Medicare, Medicaid and exchanges. So it feels pretty good. We're talking to two pretty um, expert guys right now, aren't we, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, what I, I think what I appreciate, too, is just the breadth of the fact that, you know, I've touched uh, just about every touch point in this uh, supply chain that's completely kind of dysfunctional today. So at least you've had your eyeballs and your hands on each part of that. So that's good. That's good. Exactly. So yeah. with both of you here today with our topic of prescription drug costs, can you, one of you explain why are they so out of control? What is the problem right now? Yeah, sure. So, you know, if we look at prescription drug costs and we look at the last few years, we've actually seen relatively flat trends, right? So over the past two or three years, I don't think we're going to see that coming out of the 2020 numbers. But if we look at drug costs, net of rebates, it's been relatively flat for the past few years, which is different than what we've historically seen. You know, if we want to look at, you know, what's driving overall costs for plans, it's really one of three things. You're either looking at inflation, drug mix, or you're looking at an increase in utilization. You know, I'll kind of talk about two of the, of the main factors, which is going to be uh, inflation and, and drug mix. But if we look at what causes inflation, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, specifically looking at brand products, a lot of it is caused by the supply chain. And when we talk about the cause of the supply chain is there's both the cost of the drug and then along with that drug, branded pharmaceutical products, there's a rebate that gets paid by the manufacturer to the PBM to reduce the cost of the drug. Um, that is kind of where the, the, the negotiation around drug costs happens um, for single source brand products because they have, have a patent on them. And what we've seen is that rebate has grown over time. And as that rebate grows, pharmaceutical manufacturers need a way to continually fund those rebates. And they fund those rebates through increasing the cost of their drugs so that they can pay out higher and higher rebates back to the PBM. And that's one place where we see inflation. Some of those rebates are going to be passed on to the plan sponsor, and, and sometimes they're not, depending on, on your PBM relationship. The other main cause of, of this driving up costs that we see is if we look at drugs that are coming into a lone therapeutic class, and we see this more and more in the pipeline, where these drugs are coming out and they're treating a, a very small number of people with a prevalence of, say, less than 200,000 people. And what happens is these drugs come out and they're the only drug in their therapeutic class. So there's no competition. And without that competition, there's nothing to drive rebates or, or any sort of price control around it. And for those drugs, manufacturers can come out and pretty much set the price at whatever they want. And you kind of run out of control that you can have over the cost of the drug, like utilization management, um, moving beyond that, you know, the next kind of control point you have is really public shaming. Like if you come out with a price of the drug that's too high, are you going to end up on, on the front page of the newspaper? You know, and beyond that, there's, there's really no limit in terms of what they can set the price of those drugs at. And the pipeline is full of these drugs that are going to be quite expensive to treat these niche conditions. Um, but as they kind of come out and treat more and more conditions, plant sponsors have a bigger and bigger chance of actually having to pay for one of these drugs. Yeah, Thatcher, one of the things that, Thatcher, one of the things, obviously, rebates. So when you think of, uh, so let, me, let, let me just talk about each of these maybe independently. So, I mean, it is sure. probably the only um, um, 
industry, I would think in, in regards to the rebate doesn't go to the ultimate payer. So when I go buy a TV and I get a rebate or I go to CVS and I get a rebate, mm -hmm. I'm the payer, I'm going to get the rebate. And the dysfunction in, in regards to the rebate and the distribution either goes to the PBM, goes to the insurance company, rarely goes to the consumer, rarely goes to the person writing the check. So from your perspective, had, had, where did this start? We, we know it, where it was, where it is, but where did it start? So where this started is really, so there's always been some sort, like there's been rebates paid on drugs um, for a long time. But if we look back to like 2011, 2012, that's where PBM started to come out with exclusionary formularies. So basically, if you had three or four drugs in a competitive class, the PBM started saying, if I, if I take these other three drugs and I don't cover them and I only cover your drugs, will you pay me a higher rebate? And the manufacturers came and said yes. And you have these manufacturers coming in and competing for formulary placement. And what's happened then since 2011, 2012, is that competition to get coverage by the PBM has, has, has increased. And with that increase, we've seen more and more rebates getting paid to gain that formulary placement. And that's where we really see that growth in that bubble starting from 2012, driving to today, where those rebate payments are becoming higher and higher and driving up overall drug costs. Yeah, I think from a, you know, from a consumer standpoint, from an employer standpoint, what a frustrating dilemma in regards to the fact that the rebate is just a functionality of the price to play inside of a PBM field originally. So, Bill, let me ask you a question about specialty meds and what Thatcher had talked about um, normally, this, these orphan, orphan drugs. Um, in, in your opinion, let me just ask you one question and you can comment on this. Uh, obviously, the uh, under the Affordable Care Act, when we the lifetime limited, or normally we would have one million dollar maxes. So we we jettisoned that strategy. What impact on specialty meds do you think uh, unlimited lifetime max have had on the prescription drug world, specifically specialty meds? Well, I think it, it has certainly opened up the avenue for the manufacturers to get a higher price uh i i i would think I, I there's no guarantee but if there were those maximums then i guess the manufacturers would have to find would have to find a way to charge less for those drugs because otherwise they weren't going they're not going to get the money if the insurance carriers are capped at a million they certainly can't be looking for more than that from employees. Yeah, I think so when that, I go back, I'm 56, so I've been in this business for a long time. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, we didn't have drug cards. Everything was uh, subject to uh, major medical, so it was subject to my deductible. Right. And the dysfunction in this copay world, this strategy that limits the liability from a consumer standpoint, is really just push the balloon off. Uh, off to the real payer of healthcare, which is uh, which are employers, uh, and uh, whether you be self-funded or fully insured, you're going to pay the brunt of this cost shifting. Absolutely, I have a so I have a question coming from an employee of McGowan Braybender. Um, I'm thinking about my ID card. It says Express Scripts, and then I know we work with Confidio. So, can you kind of help explain what you guys? do can you help me understand kind of why confidio is not on my id card <laughs> sure 
Sure. Confidio, as a pharmacy benefit consultant, works with the pharmacy benefit managers or the PBMs. We work with McGowan Braybender as an advisor. We work with the, uh, the clients of, of McGowan Braybender. At the same time, we're also working for McGowan Braybender and those clients to point them in the right direction, to educate to a certain extent, to ensure that what they're getting, what you are getting from the PBMs is the best that you can get. So we're not a really a public facing entity. We are really looking over what's being done by the PBMs and ensuring that they are doing what they've been contracted to do, that we have negotiated what they've been contracted to do and sort of looking over their shoulder to make sure that they are delivering to your client and, and really delivering on what you have, uh, have brought to that client to ensure that we're talking about rebates, to ensure, for instance, that you're getting 100% of the rebates. That so was, that, you know, has not been the case necessarily. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, why aren't the PBMs doing their job then? <laughs> I like having you guys as a consultant, but it's kind of like, what the heck? It's, it's not that they're not doing their jobs, but I think what we're bringing to the table for you and your clients is more transparency and explanation of what it is they're doing. And they're not always doing the same things. You, you've got to look at two different pieces of the puzzle here, one being contractual and one being financial. Everybody just wants to look at financial but the contractual really determines the true value of those financials. So that's, that's where it, it's, it's a little more complicated than people initially think until they dive into what's going on within the program. Yeah, I think for our listeners too, I mean, normally if, you know, if, if I'm a large employer, I have a thousand people or okay. I'm a small employer and I've got like 20 mm -hmm. and one of my employees goes and gets an MRI and it's $475. Okay. Normally that gets adjudicated and it's $475, whether I'm a group of a thousand or I'm a group of 20. The shenanigans inside of the pharmacy world <laughs> depends on whether, did you read the contract? Do you understand the contract? Mm -hmm. Because um, these the shenanigans, they build a thousand gas pedals in this engine. You take away one gas pedal, they'll just push it down. So I think what you're saying, Bill, too, is um, you just sit underneath this contract to say, are you doing what you said you were going to do? And are right. you following through with the protocols on what we agreed to? Right. And it's also part of that is really understanding. And you mentioned shenanigans. And, yep, they're they're in there. That's understanding the nicest word I can what, think of. Yeah, no, it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. But understanding what the contract is saying. You know, as with any contract, it's written by lawyers. So in, unless you're working with this stuff all the time, and, as you know, Confidio does pharmacy benefits and only pharmacy benefits. Hey, Thatcher, so that's what, what we are working through constantly. 
Th Thatcher, a question I have for you. So, you know, if, if you're talking to a large employer and they say, um, when you're talking about Confidio, and, and, and they say, I already have a PBM, I don't need you. So what's, what, what's your, how do you market yourself to, to employers in regards to the value that Confidio can bring to that organization? Yeah, so the way, I mean, the way we approach the PBM market is really how do we enhance and bring out the full value of your relationship with the PBM? And that kind of starts right with the, the contracting and procurement process of that PBM selection, making sure you have a PBM that fits with the organization's cultural needs, but also driving transparency and equality in, in the contract. So you kind of understand how that relationship works. And then throughout the, the life cycle, you know, of that contract or of our relationship is, you know, twofold, helping them deploy pharmacy strategy to continue to oversee their benefit and deploy the right programs and solutions. A contract is a good foundation to a pharmacy relationship, but you need to make sure that you continue to deploy different ways that, that you're managing the spend. The second piece is, you know, holding the PBM accountable to that contract. So if the PBM says they're going to achieve for certain financial results in a performance period, we make sure that that PBM is performing to those financial results. And if they're not performing, you know, through an, ind through an independent pricing validation, if they're not performing to those pricing results that they've guaranteed in their contract, we then work with the PBM to facilitate payment back to our clients. Gotcha. One of the things that I think is, uh, you know, interesting, going back to your analogy on rebates, I just thought about this. You know, a lot of schools will just have like, they'll have Pepsi or Coke. So we're a Coke school or we're a Pepsi school or McDonald's, Wendy's. I mean, you pick it. Um, they, they're not going to serve Coke and Pepsi. So in other words, the, uh, you, you think of, uh, and again, I'll use this word, the shenanigans in regards to the rebates. In other words, if you, if you serve this to your customers, we're going to pay on the back end for driving, driving this list of, of, uh, of Medicaid, of, of drugs. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think part of it goes back to, you know, if you're engaging in a, a you know, if you're a plan sponsor and you're, you're engaging with the PBM, making sure that you are getting 100% of rebates and that those rebates are not being retained by the PBM or carrier or the, the multiple places that they can get, you know, retained along the way. I think, you know, the broader, you know, industry problem is when you look at kind of how, you know, a branded pharmaceutical manufacturer approaches the market, they're the only ones that can, that can manufacture that drug. You know, the original idea of rebates was that's where the pricing competition came into play to drive down the cost of single source products where there were competitors. So I think the original idea of rebate wasn't necessarily flawed. I think that what's happened over time is through the growth of rebates and how it's kind of played out and different entities retaining those rebates as, as profits is really where the rebate you know, idea and strategy has fallen apart. And it's just gotten out of control over the years where now we're in a point where a plan sponsor can get back you know, 25 to 30% of their drug spend in rebate and I don't think that was ever the, the original intention. Yeah, super fair. Yeah. I would, um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about the value. So it's pretty easy to, to see the value of Confidio through the eyes of the employer. But what about the employee? How do they know there's value there? So really, you know, what we do for employees is if we look at, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is, why are drug costs increasing? And we all engage with conversations with plan sponsors of how are we going to afford this ongoing? 
you know, if, if the price of pharmaceuticals continue to rise, how am I as a plan sponsor, as a, you know, a thousand life employer, how am I going to continue to afford to pay for this? And that's really where we come in, is we come in to make sure that you have the right contract, you're getting good value out of that contract, and you're paying fair prices for the drugs, and you're getting those rebates back. So as the employer, they can continue to fund that, that pharmacy benefit. You know, they can continue to fund that pharmacy management into the future because they're not overpaying and they're not experiencing some of the, the increased, you know, inflation. The, the other piece of it, you know, when we come out and we make recommendations to plan sponsors around, you know, different strategies, we look at that through two different components. You know, we, we look at that through, there's obviously financial cost savings that we want to talk about, but we also make sure that we talk about the impact to the members. Are your members going to be disrupted? How are they going to be disrupted? And making sure that we have a clinician review that, dis, you know, review the disruption and review the strategy and that a clinician is saying what you're doing is clinically sound explain that back to the plant sponsor so that they kind of understand all of the, the ramifications of the decision, not just the, the financial ones, and then launch a communication strategy out to the members. But, you know, everything we do is to benefit the member. And, and I know that that's not always, you know, seen that way by the member because they're disrupted. But some of these cost savings measures that we, we put in place are really so that the employer can continue to offer, you know, that pharmacy benefit management to, to the employee. So do you think, does the employee know who Confidio is? If the employer explains it correctly, should they know who you guys are? So the employees don't know who we are. And, and to be honest, I don't know if there's a reason why the employees would need to know who we are. Okay. But I do think, Thatcher, which is really interesting. So the perception would be, I have Express Scripts and I work for the city of Dayton. And I, and, and I just made that up. <laughs> uh, but I have another employer and I have Express Scripts. The assumption is that both of those contracts is the same. And in reality, they're not even close. So if you're underneath that, managing that, you're not only managing the employer dollars, but if, if you're managing the contract and kind of maybe trying to level this playing field, the employee has potentially lower out-of-pocket, lower out-of-cost, Right. Uh, and and greater, higher discipline in regards to the just the in, in, entire supply chain. That that's absolutely that's absolutely right. correct. So yeah, I, would, and I, you know, through through. Go ahead, Thatcher. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, so I was just going to, you know, and and through the deployment of these strategies and the ability to control costs, you know, for the the plan sponsor. I mean, that's exactly what we would like to see is can we keep, you know, can we keep premiums down and potentially, you know, reduce the amount that the employee or keep sustainable the amount that the employee is paying into those premiums? And also, if we can keep costs down, can you come up with a plan or benefit design that does have lower out-of-pocket costs, you know, for the members? And a lot of times, you know, when we look at it, we want to make sure that when that member walks into the pharmacy, we want to make sure that the employee can afford their medication, right? Like we don't want to put in a, situ a situation where somebody can't afford their medication because of a plan design or because of some other decision. Because at that point, if they're not taking their medic medication, there's other broader, you know, implications to that member, their health, um, first and foremost, but also potentially then other financial ramifications if the person is not, you know, managing managing their condition. Right. I would I would like to ask one of you the process that happens when you first engage with an employer. Can you kind of take us through A to Z, how that, how that goes? Sure. The, uh, the process starts with 
a gathering of information. Uh, gather, you know, with folks from McGone Braybender, for instance, we want to gather information on their current contract. We want to gather very detailed information about the last 12 months of claims. Because those are the, the two analysis that are being done, the two written analysis that are provided is this is your contract. This is the good, the bad, and all too often the ugly parts <laughs> of that contract. But that's a, that's a real education. And I always prefer to talk contract before we talk numbers because the contract explains whether there is true value in the numbers. We then take 12 months of detailed claims. And when I say detailed claims, I mean a listing of every script that has been filled for the group for a 12 month period, providing very detailed information about the drugs, the day supply, the quantities, the cost, so that we can run through that and look at, that's where we, we can be in a position to show whether the contract is truly providing the value it appears to be. Uh, side by side with that, we're providing a comparison to PBMs that we are working with uh, and working with our specific contract requirements and pricing requirements to bring back to you to advisors and their clients to show them a full picture on what's going on or what has been going on and what can go on into the future. Right. And so what do you guys discover along the way of this process of data gathering? Well, the, the first thing, hopefully we discover that the group actually has a contract. You know, it sounds silly, it yeah. sounds obvious, but it's not always the case. And it's been amazing through the years to see what people consider to be a contract. Mm -hmm. There are contracts that people get that simply state, you have a pharmacy benefit, you, here's a website, here's an 800 number, you get an ID card, things along those lines. Then there are other contracts that are very specific. They define what a brand drug is. They define what a generic drug is. They list discounts, they list rebates, they list provisions, they list audit provisions, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the biggest thing and then based on that, sometimes when we look at the financials and we show what we try to show people is here are the actual discounts you've been provided with. Okay. People will look at, this is what my contract says. This is what Confidio is saying. The discounts are we truly received from that PBM and or carrier and they're not the same. Yeah. That's part of the contractual requirements that shenanigans, again, <laughs> that the value, you know, when does 18% not equal 18%? Well, it's when the contract says it doesn't have to. Right. Yeah, I think the one of the things that's really important is words matter and the language inside the contract matters. Oh, um, very much so. Significantly. So my gut tells me that an employer would be really frustrated, and, and, I, and I'm not picking on Express Scripts but because there's multiple PBMs. But if you get involved with a customer and you're vetting an existing Express Scripts and then you guys go through, you dig, 
you do your competence, and all of a sudden you tell that employer, hey, stay with Express Scripts, use us, and your prices are going to go down by 11%. In other words, so do, do, do employers get angry at that process? Do they feel like, hey, was I being taken advantage of in the first place? And you help me and help us kind of understand that. They, they definitely can. Sometimes they're angry at themselves. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're angry. Well, but because, because, and, and I think back to a, a presentation that I did a couple of years ago and went through the contract and the question came up, well, how can they get away with this? You know, the simple answer is, well, Mr. Employer, you signed a contract that said they could. Ugh. Now, the fact that they didn't understand or that the advisor didn't understand exactly what the contract was saying or that the fine print was not necessarily picked up on, it's, it's more common in the, in the industry than we want to, than we want to admit it is, but it's, that's why I mentioned education. A lot of what we do with advisors and clients is educate them on what things you, you mentioned before, Scott, words mean, you know, words are the key. A word here and there can change things completely as far as what a group is supposed to get versus what they're actually getting. Thatcher, so, one of the yeah, things I, I wanted to, I, I, I think that was, oh, go ahead, Thatcher. Well, I think, you know, I think the other part about it is the way that Confidio approaches the market, especially for clients of a certain size, is you touched on earlier that it's a, you know, it's a leverage game. And the more lives and spend you can bring to a PBM, the better pricing financial terms and conditions that you can get. So at Confidio, what we do is we deploy what's called a leverage contract strategy, where we go out to the different PBMs and we negotiate a contract and we negotiate those contracts, rates, and terms based on bringing them multiple employers and putting them on the same contract. So if we have, you know, a thousand or 1200 or 1500 life groups, we can consolidate those groups together. And then we can go out to, you know, if we want to kind of continue to pick on, you know, express scripts or, or any of the PBMs, and we can negotiate across, you know, 200. So all of a sudden we're taking 200,000 lives and then negotiating that contract and that pricing. And that allows us to take a, a smaller group, and get them a contract like they're a larger group in terms of the, the financials that they're able to achieve and the terms and conditions in, in the contract. So that is a little bit different about how we deploy our strategy. And one of the things that we go through, you know, as an education piece when we're working with plan sponsors to say, if you were going this on your own, that's part of the reason why you, you achieve this pricing. But through our strategy, we can get better pricing terms and conditions by bringing groups together and negotiating in, in, in that. Yeah, I kind of see yourself. So I, I kind of imagine like the Los Angeles freeway, there's 12 lanes, you know, it's massive chaos, although with COVID Los Angeles traffic isn't that, isn't that busy. <laughs> but if you think of, uh, if you think of PBMs going down a highway at like 80 miles an hour, I think I see Confidio is this like police officer, this cop sitting on the side of the road, just saying, Hey, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm here to police what's going on, uh, under, uh, underneath all of this and then so like thatcher in your opinion like you know what's it going to take what's it going to take to fix 
begin to fix um, this, uh, these issues, and, and, and not only just with PBMs, but obviously the supply chain, the wholesalers and manufacturers, what, what is it going to take to break this? So, you know, Scott, I think, I think the first point that you talk about is we can't just, like, I think it's easy to pick on the PBM, but we need to kind of pull out the, all the players involved from the PC, PBM, drug wholesaler, retailer, you know, take all of those out and say we need to look at each one of these components. To kind of go back to a point you made earlier when you talked about buying the TV and the rebate comes directly to you, you know, what I see is that is unique to this industry that I think would, would fix this problem is we have a buyer and a seller of products that don't talk to each other. Hmm. And so when I talk about the seller, I'm talking about the pharmaceutical manufacturer. When I talk about the buyer, I'm talking about the, the employer, right? If we're talking about the commercial market, you can go across any plant sponsor, but we'll take it to the employer. The employer is, is buying these products. They're funding all of these different entities, yet they're never talking to the seller, right? They're never talking to that pharmaceutical manufacturer about what is the fair price for these drugs. I think taking those two and bringing them together in conversation is a huge missing component that we have. So the other area of opportunity that I see is if we look at just how the drug moves through the supply chain, that drug is bought and sold numerous times. So the pharmaceutical manufacturer sells, the wholesaler buys it from the pharmaceutical manufacturer, takes profits, and then they turn around, they sell it to the retailer. The retailer takes profits. The retailer then dispenses it and essentially sells it to the PBM, although the PBM just reimburses. And then at the end of the day, the, the, the employer is the one kind of sitting there on the hook. And we have these numerous points where the drug is being bought and sold, where really there's one payer and one seller. And how do we bring those two together to have these conversations about rising costs and how we address the industry going forward? That's something that we're pushing on at Confidio, and I think a huge missing piece. And I think if we were, if, you know, if we can work towards better connections between those two, I think then we can address this and really look at, at fixing, you know, fixing the issues we see in the pharmacy industry. Yeah. And, you know, in all fairness, too, um, and this is not a question, it's more of a comment, but, you know, you, what what we've done in regards to a vaccine in less than 12 months. I mean, so we can pick on PBMs. We can pick on all of what the pharmaceutical industry does, did and has done to save lives uh, is uh, is incredible. And, and I appreciate you, Thatcher, just kind of bringing up the fact that it isn't one entity along the supply chain. But when we kind of really expose and just kind of talk, maybe seek to understand each of those uh, elements that and, and quite frankly, you know, I think even in your experience, I think it's what Confidio is there for is just to help us understand this at a deeper uh, at a deeper level. I had one more question. I've, unfortunately, we have to wrap up here soon, but I was hoping one of you could answer um, what exactly the future of prescription drugs in the roles of PBMs and Confidio what does it look like in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going down this path where we're talking about these increase in prices. And I think at some point, and if you ask a, a room, when I ask a room full of employers and say, you know, plan sponsors, I say, you know, what point is this, is this broken? You know, at what point does this not work anymore? Probably about half the room raises their hand and says now. Um, you know, that we, we can't continue down the path. The other half will say, you know, in the next maybe two or three years. The industry has made some, some changes to address some of these things in terms of covering lower cost products that don't have these huge rebates attached. 
manufacturers have made some steps. We've seen some steps come out with biosimilars and kind of these, these different things that have come to the market. I think the industry needs to continue to drive towards what these solutions are that will drive these lower cost products, take out some of the gains and connect the buyer and the seller, you know, like I talked about. And, and I think that that will bring, um, I think that that will bring a lot of clarity to it. I, I do think that if, if the industry doesn't step up and address and fix some of these problems, at some point, the government is going to step in. And we've kind of seen a little bit of that in terms of the government trying to step in, regulate rebates, regulate prices, you know, kind of coming in different ways. And you can think about, you know, the spectrum of regulation to, you know, driving all the way to single payer and kind of look at everything, you know, in between. And I think if the industry doesn't step up and say we need to make changes, and those changes I think are going to be, be drastic, I do think we're in, in the position where five to ten years from now, you know, an outside entity like the government may get involved and, and change things if the industry isn't able to change itself. That will be interesting to see for sure. Um, Bill, did you have any yeah. final comments on that? Yeah, I, I think the the one thing that, that I always think about is everybody is looking for a simple solution. There are no simple solutions to a complicated situation like we've got here. It's taken years to build this up. So as opposed to just coming out with an executive order or whatever it may be that says, do this, there's a lot more to it than that because of the fact that there are all these layers. And there just seems to me to be, you know, there's needs to be more thoughtful process to getting to evaluating the different layers as, as Thatcher was saying, it's not simple, but it obviously needs to be done. Well, thanks for number one. If you if you're uh, if you pay taxes, you're paying for prescription drugs because you pay for Medicaid, Medicare, and you probably pay for your employer-sponsored health care. So the fact that this stuff matters, you're there. We're grateful for all the hard work that Absolutely. you do. Absolutely. Yep. If our listeners need to contact you, how do they how do they do that? Uh, <laughs> well, they could certainly uh, certainly reach out via well our, our, our website is confidio.com and uh emails are first name dot last name bill.lenskold at confidio.com and we would be more than happy to uh to speak with anyone or for that matter they should reach out to the fine folks at mcgowan braybender to uh they they because you guys certainly know where to get it to get to us Absolutely. Thank you too so much, Thatcher and Bill. We really appreciate your insight today. And I I feel much more educated on this topic, Scott. Perfect. So if anyone has questions or comments about this podcast or any upcoming podcasts, feel free to email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or myself at Scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you guys next time on Side Effects. Looking for more Side Effects episodes? Go to our website and click on podcast at the top of the screen. Click subscribe and always be ready for the next episode.